Welcome to Afterthoughts. This is the podcast where we give you your thoughts after we have watched something. I'm your host tonight, Ryan King. And before we get into it, let's introduce our other co-hosts. We have our usuals, John Garcia. Uh, Yeah, happy to be here, Ryan, talking about a movie that uh, I think is the best horror film I've seen in a long time. Um, Really just (laughs) existentially dreadful. Uh, yeah, a real crisis. Yeah, but also a great call to action to learn ASL and or any sign language, really. Yeah, yeah. or mental health, like that get too. your mental health in order. There's a lot of these things, <laughs> yes. All right, and the other voice you hear, Michael Dixon. What's up? Yeah, uh, excited to to get into this movie. We are talking today about 2019's Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't, need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. The world does keep moving. It can be a damn cruel place. But those moments of stillness, that place will never abandon you. Not the sound of metal, sound of metal. Is the sound of metal a different movie? I know, but it's oh, it's okay. one of those like <laughs> the sound of metal's the remake they're gonna do in 2029. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's is this an Amazon? I know it went around production? the circuits, but I think it's yes. like an Amazon produced, right? Okay. Yes. Uh, starring Riz Ahmed, this is the story of a metal drummer who loses his hearing. Um, I guess he he has significant loss to maybe fully lost, I guess. And he is a previous addict. Uh, immediately his girlfriend is concerned for what his mental health and stability is going to be with this sudden impact. Uh, he is not supposed to listen to loud things, which he immediately doesn't do. He, he immediately goes back to playing music loudly. He doesn't um, listen to his doctor. Yeah, does not listen to the doctor. And then most of the movie is him in a, uh, not a group home. It's not a good word for it, but, um, Staying with a group of other people who are deaf and, and addicts who are working together to work on learning on being deaf and staying off of substances. Uh, and we kind of see his progression through it. I will say I have ridiculously horrible tinnitus. <laughs> I'm just going to start off and say that as really? a warning to anyone who wants to watch this. Anything that has that tinnitus sound like in a movie, if video games, if we can turn it off, I will turn it off. And it triggers me if I hear it somewhere else. So the beginning chunk of this movie was a little bit rough. Uh, and I did listen to this with headphones, which I do recommend because I think that the sound is the key uh, aspect of this movie, even mm-hmm. though it's about being deaf. Uh, most of this movie is, I think, good sound work, like is what makes this movie. Um, so yeah, a lot of it. And then there, even in the later part of the movie, like the way he's hearing things, again, kind of like triggers me up. It can be like debilitating to where I can be in a store and it's so loud I can't hear and I have to like stop and like kind of come back. So this is, this was a little bit much for me at the beginning, but I, I'm not like, I will say it was worth it. I did enjoy the movie. This is one that the reason I picked it as 
I've been wanting to see it for a long time. It's been on my short list of like things I should watch. Uh, not as much metal music. Every time you watch something stupid on Netflix instead. Right, yeah. <laughs> or he's on a plane. And I did watch some stupid stuff this week as well, just with my family <laughs> instead of, <laughs> of my own accord. Um, yeah, so this is on that short list. I really like metal music. This had mm, some to do with metal music. It, it was really the story of, of uh, Ruben, our main character, going through his, his loss and his trauma. I will say, yeah, this is a good example of addiction and deep mental health issues and trying to deal with those. That's really the core of the movie. And it really nailed that well. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Um, It actually it released in theaters in the US in 2020. I think it maybe premiered at Toronto in 2019. IMDb is weird about dates like that. Yeah, 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 it um, it released in theaters in 2020, like kind of toward the end of the year after theaters had reopened. And I went to see it there in a in a theater and i i really enjoyed it and the sound design in a theater is fucking wild like the sound design in this movie is so good um and also when they played it in theaters they every screening was subtitled like regardless of mm-hmm. you know they didn't have just like special screenings for the hard of hearing that were subtitled every one of them was subtitled which i thought was kind of cool you know, like they're trying to bring in deaf moviegoers to go experience this movie um it also went very quickly to amazon prime after theater so you know got out there uh pretty quick for for people to go see but um yeah i i really enjoyed this when it came out and i had a few reservations about it i i i think i liked it a little bit better this time i, I still have some reservations that we can get into but um yeah i think riz ahmed and olivia cook are both incredible in this movie and and paul racy is also really good as the guy who runs the um you know the deaf community and um yeah i mean john you mentioned that this kind of feels like a horror movie and it's it is kind of terrifying experiencing everything from ruben's perspective as he's losing his hearing and freaking the fuck out and not knowing what to do about it um I, I will say my reservations are basically like, I feel like the movie is a little unfair to its main character. Um, I think it's kind of understandable what he's going through and how he's reacting to it. And I feel like at every turn, the movie's like, you're an addict, you need to stop like trying to want to hear. <laughs> um, and that kind of bothered me, um, especially as like, he's a musician. Like that's how he, that's what he loves to do. That's how he earns his living. Like, um, you know, it, it felt like a lot of, you know, kind of pushing back against him trying to get back to his former life. Like, no, you just have to be okay with how things are and accept it. And like, on on the one hand, I feel like that is, that's a healthy attitude to some degree, but like it was possible for him to potentially return to where he was before. And I feel like he just gets shut down at every corner and it, it was made for like a frustrating watch for me the first time that I watched it. I still really liked it and appreciated what it was doing um but it, it was a little frustrating to me i think this time watching it i i was a little more okay with that and kind of noticed some of ruben's um you know addictive tendencies and and kind of the the path that he was going down a little bit clearer on a second watch but i still was a little bit you know frustrated in how the movie i, I don't know that it treats its main character very fairly and what he is trying to do with his life but um it's it's an incredible movie that you know i i'm not deaf i don't know what that sounds like to not be able to hear but the way that they go to the muffled sounds when they show you what ruben is experiencing it just sounds like that would be what it is you know and it feels very 
realistic in what they're doing. The sound of the cochlear implant later in the movie, the the medi, metal tin, tinny kind of sound like that. I've, I've heard from people who've had those that that's what it sounds like. And um, I just thought it was, was really well done across the board. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll kick it to John. Yeah, um, when this came out, I wanted to go see it, mostly because I saw some interviews about how it was done, like how the audio was done, where they basically used a variety of different microphones from different years um, to get almost like a like lenses, like a cinematographer would use a lens. And oh, I thought that, that was fascinating that they were like, yeah, to get this particular sound, we're going to try to use this uh, style of capture instead of traditional techniques or like, you know, the single mic that they might try to use for any other production. Um, and then do it in post. They're trying to actively do that. So, um, that, yeah, the sound I picked up on immediately, like hearing everything, uh, that, that mix track is just done so well in the level of Foley needed at any one point in time, how subtle it can be. Um, and other times how loud and like in your face it is gets so jarring, um, that it really makes you feel, uh, you have a good context of when you're observing and when you're actually in Ruben's head and uh, understanding kind of what that loss feels like. Um, Sasha watched this with me and she has major anxiety when it comes to losing any part of her senses. Like she, her ear got clogged for like three days with oh. some, and so she freaked out and thought she was going to be deaf in one ear for like, I don't know, a, a solid week. And then the doctors were like, no, you just need to use this medicine and get it out. Um, like she was really kind of triggered by this movie, um, sitting there trying to think about that. And I was like, well, you know, it's one of those things where like, she's in that similar boat. I think that she resonated really well with Ruben because she was like, like how I understand exactly what he's going through. Like, how wouldn't you just bounce back from anything like this? And it's like, well, you know, you're used to that kind of use of your senses, but other people have never had that or they've already lost it and they're there to guide you through what that could be. And so I didn't feel it was too hard on Ruben. I just felt like there wasn't anybody at the the home that really guided him through that conclusion. Everybody gave him too much tough love and nobody really yeah. tried to sit down and and have a solid conversation of like, look, change happens sometimes and like whatever you're wishing for might not be the thing. Like the cochlear implant sequence. I'm surprised that doctor was never like, look, it's never going to be like a hundred percent. Give me 40 right. grand. They yeah. were like, give me 40 grand up front. And afterwards you'll find out it's not what you thought it was. Um, so yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I also thought there might be a lot more metal music in it, Ryan. And so when uh, th like Olivia cook and him were done with their first two performances, I was like, Oh, okay, I guess we're just done. And it's just going to be the rest of the journey. But I had no problem with that. I was totally down to follow him to that rehabilitation center and that like charity group. And it was really sweet seeing him start to bond. And I think that there were some tragic moments where I really thought this was going a different direction, like that he would probably give up on the cochlear stuff. Uh, and, and then like when it kind of bounces to a different thing of like, no, he's still thinking this way and, and about this thing. I was like, well, that's unfortunate, but, um, it is Ruben's choice at the end of the day. And sort of like, I'm glad in a way that it didn't end on the happiest note. I think that it, mm -hmm. it resonated a lot more like when it ended, there was such a powerful swelling to, to the finality before it got to the credits. Um, and I just love Olivia cook as well. Like Olivia cook. I've loved her since thoroughbreds. I thought she was fantastic mm -hmm. in that movie. Um, and I've always wanted to see her in more things and I'm really sad. She's like ready player. One is like the only other thing I remember her from right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think I know it won some Academy awards and I think it, it definitely deserves that. Um, 
and I'm probably going to watch it again at some point, but I de- this is one of those where I need like a cool down for it. Yeah. Um, it's, de- it's definitely yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, definitely heavy. So I think what's interesting is there's a lot of different levels you could connect with Ruben, whether it is mental health, like depression, whether it is addiction, or if it is dealing with trauma, all three of those need this stability, other people, purpose, and then eventually acceptance of some kind. Like you do have to accept the situation. And really, this is the movie of like his journey is eventually accepting it. But for the most part, he's in a, in that way of being an addict. He's has something that he's wants and he's giving up everything else for this thing. And it's really not exactly attainable in the way that, yeah, I agree. It, it's rough on him. But I do think that it that that to a certain extent, he can't go back. Because things are different, like and he has to sure. accept that things did change. And while he could, I agree, he can go back to being a musician. He could just be fully deaf and be a musician and make that work. And it won't be quite the same. He could get the implants and he'd go back and it won't quite be the same. Or he can go do something else. But he has to accept that like that moment things changed. And now he is, you know, in this new state, in this new situation. And it really isn't until the end of the movie where I think it starts to click for him of like things have moved forward. I'm a little bit different. Everyone's a little bit different. And he actually like sits down and is in the moment finally, which is again, another thing when you talk about dealing with addiction or mental health, like being able to be present that he hadn't been. Um, So I I think that that's really interesting that you could come at this so many different ways, right? That you don't have to come into it being deaf. You can come into this from any kind of situation probably. And it hits at you at some level. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's a good cautionary tale for anybody who struggles in a way like to, you know, let go sometimes just like, don't, don't try to like grab onto what you had, um, so tightly, uh, it can lead to you missing all the things in front of you that are like really good about where you're at in life and what you're doing. It's like, I've thought a good number of times about like, if I go blind, like I won't be able to enjoy movies the same way, or, you know, deaf, I can't the same way. But I know that there are other ways to experience it. Like if you go deaf, you, they have noise units that hook up and vibrate. And you can feel the sound through your body. And like while you're reading lips, you can feel the people talking basically in your body, which is an interesting sensory experience. Hmm. And if you're blind, you have like audio descriptors, which somebody recently in my uh, hyper real community said that they accidentally watched Dungeons and Dragons with the descriptive reader on. And it was like having a narrator do an audiobook and perform yeah. for you. And I was like, that's kind of rad. Like. I don't know. There's just different uh, experiences you can focus on. And yeah, obviously, if you're blind, you can't talk about cinematography. If you're deaf, you can't necessarily talk about the Foley and how that's done, but other things to observe and like enjoy. So I felt like the movie just like kept telling me that in a way that didn't feel like it beat me over the head with it. I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this. These little moments with, uh, with Ruben and the kids that are in his class, just like so sweet, very like... I don't know. Not overly saccharine. Did I do it right? Yeah. Did I say it? You did. You yes. pronounced yeah, the word correctly. I did it, it everybody. <laughs> Drop the balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing this movie does best is just creating a feel of loneliness and isolation that is just so palpable. And you know, you you feel how cut off Ruben feels from the rest of the world, right? Like 
He's losing his hearing. His girlfriend has left him. He is is stuck in this community of nobody that he knows. He can't communicate with any of them or understand what they're saying. And like, it's just, it's such a visceral way that they, they give you that feeling as, as the viewer through the sound design and the cinematography and, and everything like that. And it's just like, it's kind of depressing to watch because you feel that loneliness coming through the screen so much. There's that alienation. Yeah. You get that same vibe of like, you know, new kid in a new town sort of thing. Like you're in a new yeah. class and you didn't yeah. make new friends and you just don't know how or you speak a different language entirely or something. Mm-hmm. It, there are really powerful scenes. And the one that comes to my mind exactly in that is when he first sits down at the dinner table at the home and yeah. everyone is signing and laughing and knocking on the table. And he's in the same way as someone who doesn't know sign language is looking around like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what they're what they're talking about. I don't know how to get in this or how I can learn. Because and, and that's the beginning of this movie. I thought, how the hell is he going to learn sign language when all they do is just sign in front of him and expect him to kind of figure it out? And it isn't until eventually he goes to the school and we kind of sort of time lapse past most of his learning. But um, for a while there at the beginning, they just sort of continue their lives around him, and he's just out of like has no idea what's going on. And you as a viewer. I do wonder if you knew sign language, like how this movie might differ because you would be in those. But at the same time, you probably have been in that situation of being the odd one out that you're already comfortable with that and understand that without needing that the same way, you know, maybe we, we would need it. Yeah, that's what I was I was kind of thinking, like, even if you know sign language in that moment, you're enjoying whatever conversation's going on, but he sticks out like a sore thumb sitting in that seat right. alone and not knowing what to do, that it would make you more cognizant of the people you might be leaving out of your conversations. Um, and so I feel like it had a good dual duality to it and how you experienced that scene. Um, but it's yeah. just like, it's immersive language. I mean, that's that's what you do for like almost any other kind of learning. I know there's like, what the Pims are approach where you like sleep and listen to somebody's language or something. You can't do right. that with sign language probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just that moment of like, let's That's get the, you the clockwork orange. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, instead it's like, no, let's immerse you at a table where you really can't understand anybody, but you just have to feel out the emotions of people. You pick up on the more subconscious aspects of communication. And then you eventually will pick up one word or another, like, um, that's kind of how my extended family is and they all speak Russian around me and I just kind of know I can pick up some things, but they'll never stop and explain it to me and they won't really try. So it, it just picks up over time. Yeah. He, and he also doesn't have his phone either, right? Like the guy running this place yeah. does not allow him to have a phone or a computer or anything. He has literally no way to contact the outside world or to know what's going on in, in society as a whole. And he's just like, he's just stuck there. Like he can't, really do anything he has to give up his car keys like he can't go anywhere he can't learn any new information he is just trapped inside his own head yeah there's those scenes of just him staring at somebody else while he can't sleep because he's just constantly thinking mm-hmm. oh man those are those are haunting images for me i still see riz ahmed uh he did such a fucking great job conveying that dread without having to say anything without having to get up or do i mean he could be aggressive when he needed to and you you could tell he's fucking pissed off at the situation. Yeah. But other times it's just that quiet desperation of like, please anything, just like come back. I just want my hearing back. Yeah. Uh, and they like, he was, he tries to fix the gutter at one point and the, you yeah. know, the, the Joe is like, no, you don't get to do that. Anything like you just have to sit with yourself and like 
figure your shit out. You know, like it's he can't do anything to distract him or or anything that maybe he enjoys doing. Right. Maybe he uh, likes working with his hands and, and wants to do that. Nope. Not allowed. <laughs> yeah. He tells him, here's the notebook, you know, right when you feel like it. No drawings. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say that that the movie doesn't actually give you anything about how to help right it doesn't necessarily go through the like here's how to deal with addiction or these problems or trauma like there is the you know the the one piece is that have you ever had any stillness that joe is trying to get him to like sit down be in the moment like just live the pain and the emotions and actually go through it um which he eventually does and that's but it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily tell you like why or how is that going to help you or this movie isn't kind of there for that it really is just to give you the experiences of this character and what he's going through which uh yeah the performance um there's so much of this that's on his face like there's a lot that's just his full face as he's in a situation or reacting to something i think about when he first gets the implants and they're like adjusting him and he's realizing like it's not going to sound like things used to sound and you can just you can see the breakdown in his face of like, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. isn't this isn't what I wanted. Like, you can just see the pain as he's like coming to grips with it. Yeah. It, the, the scene that always sticks with me when I think about this movie is the scene where Lou leaves Ruben and and tells him, like, you have to go back to this uh, this rehab place. And, you know, like they they're talking to, to Joe earlier and, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, we'll just sleep in the RV and like, I can come in and do shit and go back. And he's like, no, you can't have your girlfriend here. You got to hear you be here by yourself. And, you know, so she is, is kind of stuck with like, well, do I leave here with Ruben and hope that he doesn't relapse? Or do I like just get out of here for his good and send him back there? And that scene is just so heartbreaking. And like, you know, clearly these two people really love each other and it's, you know, like really hard for them to to part ways. And they're like breaking down and bawling in front of the Uber driver. And it's just like it's yeah. that that scene always sticks with me. I think uh, Olivia Cook is, is really, really good in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's like right after he's like, how long have you been sober? And he's like four years. And how long yep. have you been with Lou? Four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that scene and then the other scene with Lou, which is towards the end, um, are both like, yeah. that's the bookends basically of just like, okay, well it's, it's confirmation that this is definitely kind of over and there's a different chapter in his life going on right now. Um, but yeah, Olivia Cook just brings so much gravity to, she's not in this for a really long time. Uh, but w- whatever she does in it is just fantastic. Like her concern when they're at the diner, when he starts losing his hearing, yeah. Is, it's so visibly on her face that she's like calculating and trying to think about all these things. And the whole time he's clearly like flying off the handle, freaking out, just like, oh, it's great. I just can't hear. Like, I can't fucking hear anything. And it ranting. And she's like, just let's get like your sponsor on the phone. Let's try to talk and figure out what's going on. She's really trying to be his rock. And at the same time, she's barely holding it together. She's also um, worried about herself because mm-hmm. she's like, if you if you lose it, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to start cutting myself again. And like, you know, there's one scene earlier where you see the scars on her arm Mm -hmm. and, you know, we learn that her mother has committed suicide and she's been, you know, was in a really bad place when she met Ruben and and they've been leaning on each other to kind of survive the trauma that each of them had gone through. And then they have to part ways. And like Ruben doesn't know how to operate apart from her really. 
codependency, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the whole time that he's sitting there at that diner, like, like we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Like, he just wants to, like, we're just going to keep on the tour. We got things to do. Like, he wants to just act as if it's not denial happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And her, you can really tell from her performance, like, that she's like, no, no. Like, you've got to figure this out. Like, I know that it's going to be a problem. And then he snaps, like, later, right? She wakes up and he's just, like, wrecking all the stuff in their RV. Because he just can't, he can't handle it. Like because he's not trying to to get it right. He's still trying to move forward. Yeah, or trying to continue, not necessarily move forward. <laughs> trying to continue <laughs> the way that they have been. Uh, on the sound design, I started watching this a little bit, and I was like, "Nah, I sit down and listen to this with headphones," because I was like, "I think that needs to be like full focus audio, the way that it works." I watched it with captions because I watch everything with captions because Darla uh, can't quite hear as well anyway during a movie and i'm starting to lose it too um and so yeah i've just gotten used to having captions on and i watch things with subtitles all the time so i'm just always sort of used to words at the bottom of a screen now um but yeah i think i feel like this needs to be either in a theater or with headphones i feel like if it was just on my tv and this is absolutely also something you can't watch in the background you can't just have oh yeah so much is happening in the in the emotions or so much is happening of text or signing or whatever that you're going to miss out on that this movie really wants your full attention and the sound when he first gets those implants in the headphones you can hear it like reverberate back and forth kind of out of your like left right side and like all that that was like oh this must have been awesome in a theater like i really agree i would have it was, appreciated yeah. <laughs> hearing that yeah i watched it at home on my sound bar and like i have a mid-tier soundbar and it sounded really good on that but i bet headphones would be a pretty cool experience i usually watch on my upstairs television which just has the sound out of the television <laughs> so it's oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's usually like 11 o'clock at night and i don't want to wake the kids up Very quiet, <laughs> so it's yeah. like yeah sound design out of that tv is a little questionable yeah yeah um yeah it's one of those things where like i when i was listening to it um I was leaning in. So like, there's plenty of other movies that have, I would say that they generate this response for me via tension, you know, like I'm waiting, you know, I'm watching jaws and it's coming out and the music is playing and I'm leaning forward in my seat. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to like lean forward and, or it's really quiet and you hear the waters and you're listening for something. This has that same result where like, I found myself sitting upright or leaning forward and trying to listen for like even the smallest something. So I was like, when he's taking his hearing test, I was taking the hearing test too. <laughs> it yeah. was like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And just every step of the way, it really drew me into, um, that reaction. It drew me so naturally into listening for the same cues Ruben is listening for. Um, even during the scenes where there's no audio, it's just pure silence. And he's trying to study other people. Like my senses perked up. And I was trying to actively gauge the exact same way he was like, I thought when they were trying to sign the alphabet and like race in the middle of that class, I think that's what's happening. I'm not entirely sure, but like all of my senses, I could feel my pupils Mm. dilating. And like, it was just this natural response to try to absorb the whole movie through those senses. It was wild. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I don't have that that often with anything that isn't like. Uh, a horror movie or a thriller where they're like, did you hear that? And then you're, you have a cue to listen, but this whole movie you're like, Oh fuck. What was that? Like, <laughs> Oh no. 
This is actually the second movie in a row that we've watched that had one of those hearing yeah. tests. Yeah, yeah, the same like, hearing test. <laughs> this one was done way better. Yeah. <laughs> Ru- Ruben's really ahead of his time. He just experiences things differently. <laughs> yes. Um, I am very curious uh, if y'all have any thoughts. Did this teach you anything additionally about like the deaf community? Did this provide you any kind of inlay for how you understand? Because like a long time ago, I dated somebody who knew ASL, um, had spoken to many deaf people. And at the time I was trying to be politically correct and say, um, like, what was it like the hearing impaired, which apparently is a no, no, that's a big thing that you don't Mm. do for deaf people because it's not that kind of, they they prefer being deaf. Um, so yeah, like towards the end, kind of Ruben's whole exchange, um, about the choice he's made with the cochlear implants. I was like, Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting like vibes back to my memory of being told that, um, but were there certain parts of this that educated either of y'all or were you already kind of up to up to snuff on some of the concepts in it so i mean the i walk away again wishing i know asl i know you mentioned john that that you know you picked up a few things there are a few things yeah that and what i find difficult is the opportunity to actually learn that um because like I'm I'm learning Japanese right now, and I'm using Duolingo, and I have uh, workbooks that are the workbooks they use like for elementary students in Japan, which is really the same thing that he goes through here, where you feel really like put down when you're around a bunch of children trying to <laughs> learn something yeah. that that they're picking up on faster than you. Um, but you can't really. It's not the same with ASL. There, I found one app that was okay, but it ended up being like a little too expensive for me to do um to like feel okay with what the app did but it's like i can't really exactly get a book right and and learn that and uh, there's the opportunities to practice with someone i don't have unless i get someone else to learn with me mm-hmm. just because of you know the current situation so it's that's one of those things where i'm like that there needs to be that opportunity more because it does feel like it, it should be more available more people should know and i think this movie was really wanting to drive that point home um but it just sucks that it's not it's still not that easy to get into it it also happened yeah. to do it on the the cusp of a pandemic where nobody could really i mean i guess you could do video calls but it's even video? harder to discover yeah. like an in-person community that could support you during a pandemic when you're in lockdown so it's just like uh, well, I, I don't know i had a i had a former coworker who is deaf and the pandemic was a real struggle um, if we didn't use an application that had like auto transcription, um, it, that's, that just makes it more difficult. And then not everyone thinks about that and, you know, starts things and doesn't turn on the transcription. And right. So there's also just that where like moving to fully remote also added some difficulty for people that not everyone realizes either. Yeah. I forget that Dixon's colorblind like weekly. So, I mean, like I just, yeah, I've got to get it into a habitual system to remember that, you know, other folks out there don't have the same senses. I do don't have the same experience as I do. And, you know, like accommodate it. And this movie is again, it's, it doesn't hit you over the head with it. It just is. And it, it makes me want to be a better person, I guess is the, <laughs> the main thing. Like I want to do more. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was it's it's inspiring in how bleak it can be at times. Yeah, it's interesting to to answer your question, John. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I did learn that about the deaf community in this movie that you know they don't uh, you know appreciate 
uh, being categorized as disabled or, or anything like that. And I think that's like, that's cool. And I, I can appreciate what they're trying to do and, and, you know, foster, a, um, you know, a sense of, uh, you know, lacking self-pity and actually like, you know, thinking that you can do all the stuff that everybody else can. Like, that's, that's great. And I, I think like that mentality is probably necessary when you have, uh, you know, a, a medical condition that, uh, you know, limits your, you know, senses compared to, to other people. I did though feel like the, it was almost a hostility toward Ruben for wanting to hear, you know, and it's like, like, man, can you give the guy a break? Like he's a musician. Like I get it that like, you don't, you don't want him around if he's going to be, um, you know, trying to not be deaf anymore, understand, but like, it just felt, it felt a little harsh to me. There was a branching path I saw and I'm curious if y'all noticed it too, but like, one thing that's never mentioned in this, and it would probably be in like, you know, a based on a true story Disney movie is somebody would be like, well, you know, uh, 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 fucking um, Beethoven was deaf. Right. He yeah. did music like that would just be a line that they would throw at somebody. Um, Everybody's <laughs> as talented as Beethoven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody needs ears to <laughs> do music. Exactly. Um, but there's that moment on the slide when Ruben is like kind of knocking on it with the other kid that's like right, always yeah. kind of struggling to do whatever. And that's that moment where he's experiencing the thing he loves, but in a different lens, like it's a different sense. And that's, I think the pivot, like I remember, um, during one of the recent, it's, it's like some recent month where we were like Apple was celebrating differently abled people and they released a playlist that was curated by deaf people only. Hmm. And I listened to part of that playlist and it's like some of that music, it's not for me because of the genre and surprisingly not not a lot oh, of heavy bass there's some stuff that is heavy bass and other stuff that plays a little bit with like the way the treble is and like i could feel the difference and i definitely knew that there was something there but it couldn't be it's not something you can play on headphones you have to play it on like louder speakers you have to right, feel yeah. it um and those were those moments where i was like oh this is a totally different way to experience you know music that's like going up to the speakers in in a theater and feeling them for like how they would move um, and I, I just was like, I've never thought about it that way. And it's one of those things where like, everybody's hard on Ruben because I feel like there's a certain degree of, um, maybe jadedness that's been in the, the, the community that's in the mm-hmm. movie that's represented where they're like, you know, uh, just get over it. Um, I, I there's a, a phenomenon when you become an expert or you become accustomed to a certain way of life that sometimes you forget about the gradual steps it took to get there. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what the movie shows is like, I, I felt like it was. And uh, representative of both sides of, of an argument in a way, it was like really harsh on Ruben's part, but also those people are harsh for a reason. You can kind of take away from that, like where they pushed him away potentially and like maybe learn from, from that part mm-hmm. of the experience. At least that's how I feel about it. Yeah. It doesn't really present the nuances of the community because you have people who were born deaf Mm-hmm. Or very, you know, very quickly at a young age, uh, they mentioned the like autoimmune disorder, which is what the character had in the Congress, where you can lose hearing really early on, um, or someone who through traumatic incidents like Ruben <laughs> listening to metal music for too long, I guess they don't exactly say that that's what caused it, um, or Joe um, in Vietnam, and then there's just gradual, you know, you just lose it sometimes as you get older as well. And so everyone's kind of coming from a different angle of like how much of their life they were hearing and 
what the circumstances were that led to it, which sometimes impacts what treatment you could or couldn't have as well. Um, and so, yeah, I can like everyone does kind of have a different opinion of that situation. Then we're really only kind of here, Joe, and how he runs his house of like in in what he wants, what he's going through. He mm-hmm. is like, we're deaf now. That's who we are. That's how we act. And someone that's trying to not be that is counterproductive to all of these people who are coming in and needing to accept this new world. Um, I agree that maybe presenting something else to say like, yeah, I mean, there are, here's all these people that have gotten implants now that they're available yeah. you know, for whatever reasons. And you could see maybe the differences. Yeah. Or having like the, um, the teacher that Ruben started bonding with um, be in the room when Joe's giving that talk and kind of having her be like, Joe, you know, we don't need to be that extreme about it. And he's like, look, it's my house. It's my rules kind of thing that could create where you can see that there's more than one perspective doesn't have to be, you know, two only monolithic kind of things. But, um, yeah, it would have added another dimension of, you know, here's a different level of exception. There is like a spectrum of people who understand this. Um, I'm curious to hear you guys thoughts on, I want to get more into Ruben and, and kind of why I I feel like he's, he's maybe not treated super fairly is like at the beginning of the movie, he seems like he's in a really good place, right? Like he's, that scene where he is like waking up early and making breakfast for Lou working and out. Yeah, we're going to like he seems like he's in a really good place. He seems very happy with where his life is. And then, you know, obviously he starts to lose his hearing. Obviously, he's he's freaking out, understandably so. Um, but, you know, the, and then there's the parallel that's drawn, like you mentioned earlier, Ryan, between his addiction and Lou. Like, oh, really? You've been sober for four years and you've been with Lou for four years. And I feel like like we don't really have a cure for addiction in society, right? Like the point of the 12 steps is to get you addicted to the 12 steps. So you're not addicted to the thing that you used to be addicted to. Right. And so like he had found a life that worked really well for him that like, you know, maybe he was, maybe he was addicted to that, but it was like working for him and it was, it was healthy. And like Joe has found a life that works really well for him. Like he likes being cut off from society. He likes, being in a still quiet place where not a lot is going on and he can live in a community of people who have the exact same life experience and goals as he does. And, and Ruben is like, he's trying to get back to that life that he had where he was in a good place, right? Where everything was working. Like when he was with Lou and he was in, in the band with her and he's like, that's the only part of his life that he has known that has been healthy and good. Right. And like, understandably he's trying to, get that back and and pursue it and he just gets told no like at every turn across the board whether it's by joe or by lou or or kind of whoever it is it's like you know well you know yeah maybe this worked uh for you but you can't like you can't have this anymore and you need to figure out how to have like like joe's like you need to figure out how to have my specific life and had to like that right and it's like oh can't can't he can't Ruben figure out what he wants to do with his own life and find peace in that rather than trying to do what everyone is telling him to do, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's where I see the parallels with mental health as well, or just a general trauma that it's it the the movie is trying to get across Ruben getting to that point of acceptance and presence and stillness. Mm-hmm. that he gets at the end with the idea being like he can't go back to exactly the situation he was in just because something happened and you're now in this new situation, this new world. 
and getting to that point of like, okay, I am in this new world and I can be happy and I can do things and maybe it's not exactly the same, but like I'll reform this new life and find this, you know, whatever the new purpose is, even if it's pretty much the old purpose, but slightly tweaked, sure, yeah. like is an option. And I think it's that he's so at the beginning of the movie kind of against the whole thing, like right. that he is deaf, that anything should change, that he can just keep playing like he just wants it to be exactly what it was because it was so good and it was kind of the only good time right in his life. He's had four years of his whole life mm-hmm. that it's kind of figured out and we can't, you know, we don't know, but we could probably assume that like that first year wasn't as great as this last year, right? It's probably gotten sure. good, but it probably took some work there too. And yeah, to hit that level, like absolute frustration of like, fuck, this doesn't fit into my thing that's good now. And he, I was going to say one thing that really hit for me is when he says like, I'm having a bad day, right? When they ask mm-hmm. like, are you thinking about uh, doing drugs again? And he's like, I'm having a bad day. And like my like little voice in the back of my head was like, I'm having a bad day so far. Like, yeah. it was like the, <laughs> you know, of like you got to challenge your thinking on those kind of things. It isn't black and white like you can write. And, and I was like, that kind of clicked as well, where I'm like, he's not quite gotten to the healthy level in these last four years of understanding like you were an addict, right? Some of what the steps try to get, but you're like you are an addict. I say we're an addict, but you you are an addict. Now you are deaf. Like mm-hmm. you are in this situation now work through it, work with it, like be in it. Um, and that's where I think the movie doesn't spend any time really telling him or yeah. us that there's all these moments in it. And we t- I talked about it a little bit before where he misses like everything is painted in broad lights for me. You know, it is that, uh, I'm having a bad day so far moment. Um, just constantly repeating where like, look, okay, Lou left and went to Paris. He like goes and finds out that she's performing in Paris and he's really fucking upset about that because he thought she maybe would stay stateside and he'd be able to see her again easier or something like that. Gets like one email from her. But at the same time, like Sasha and I noted so many of these moments where like, okay, you're now part of this new community. You're completely isolated. And yeah, you feel isolation. And he's pining so much for like the life he had that he misses at every turn, all of these little moments of things that are part of the life he has now where like he's playing with the kid on the slide and they're connecting over the sound, over like the vibrations of music on just like a metal pan. And he's in this class with all these kids, but there's a teacher who is roughly his age, who looks very charmed by him or is very friendly Mm -hmm. and could either be a friend or a romantic interest, like depending upon how the conversations go. And even if not a romantic interest, like, could turn him into, you know, part of another group of friends that lead him to that. He's drawing tattoos for one of his housemates who fucking loves those tattoos. And instead of like trying to forge that friendship and actually build something there that leads to something else, he's like, Hey, can you sell my shit for me so that I can get back to the life I had? Like that is just all of these missed opportunities to be in the moment, be in that new acceptance phase and be like, you know what? This isn't so bad. Like I could get used to a lot of this. Um, he's surrounded by fucking goddamn greenery, like everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just so gorgeous where he is, even if it seems plain or like a countryside painting, it's just the stillness that he needs. And he fights it like every step of the way. Um, and so part of me is like, 
I understand why everybody who's there is like hard on him. And it seems like they are aggressive in a way of like, just get over it. Um, but also like the actual surroundings and environment he has are reaching out to him at every step and he can't see it because he's so like lockjaw, like grabbed onto what he had, uh, that normalcy. He craves that normalcy. He's addicted to normalcy. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's just, yeah, really tragic and sad. Yeah. Um, I but, think he does seem to enjoy those moments and to be in them, mm-hmm. but he then, they're he fleeting. doesn't view them as a, you know, he doesn't view a future there, right? He doesn't think yeah. that he can turn those moments into something longer and more meaningful. Um, you know, they're a way for him to survive while he's there. Those moments making friends with, with the people around him. As, as bleak as the movie kind of ends with him sort of isolated in Europe instead of in America, like, um, Sasha and I were still like the end of it. Like, Oh, well he, he could eventually go back to that commune. Even if he was kicked out for his decision by Joe, Sure, yeah. I could easily see yeah. Joe taking him back and him shepherding other people who have the same journey of wanting cochlear implants or wanting this. And like, now he's become like even more wise potentially to, <laughs> to say something about it. I feel like but, Joe would only let him back if he was like, you can never, like you have to give me your, your like attachments to the implants. Yeah. You can never use them. Yeah. I don't know if he wants to use them after that, that scene, which we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, the ending scene is as a, as a gut punch. Um, I, I also think it, before we get to that, I think it's worth talking yeah. about uh, Ruben and Lou's relationship and what happens when he does go to Paris to meet up with her after he's able to, you know, he's able to sell his RV, get the implants. And I, I'm very curious as to what their relationship looks like because, you know, she sends him one email and he's able to like sneak into Joe's office and check his email and see that she sent it. But then there seems to be no communication between the two of them over that whole time. Like when, when Lou leaves, Ruben is like, you got to send me letters so we can stay in contact. And she doesn't, ever send him any you know physical letters and ruben doesn't really try to stay in contact with her obviously it's difficult for him without having access you know regular access to the internet aside from when he can sneak into joe's office but there he never seems asked to be joe no... if he could use the mail like maybe that one's a... right yeah <laughs> there was no conversation around that and it, it does feel weird where it's like you know lou has clearly drifted apart from him when he meets up with her again she's kind of like oh you're here interesting um and she still clearly cares about him, but doesn't view him in the same way and has established a life in Paris that she is happy with and, and seems to be wanting to pursue that more. But I'm, I'm interested because they seem to care about each other so much in the beginning of the movie. And then there seems to be just like a hard break with no communication. And he he seems to expect to just show up at her dad's house and just be welcomed back immediately, even though there hasn't been communication going on over that whole time. Yeah, I think seemingly they both never built up good social, like, rapport? what do you call it? Like social rapport, like with anyone, right? They've they kind of had rough mm-hmm. lives. You know, we don't exactly know everything about Rubens, but I think he also had a uh, rough life. There's a mention of moving around a bunch and his dad not being there. Um, and obviously then he was addicted to heroin. But they kind of got each other you know, propped each other up, probably didn't have good relationships before that, mm-hmm. didn't have good familiar relationships either. And then they're apart. I think it's the same thing that sometimes, you know, you have a friend that you're like really great with, and then they move 
or change jobs or something. And it's just like, you just never talk again. And every time right, you talk, yeah. you're like, Hey, we should catch up. And then you just don't. Mm-hmm. And it like keeps going on like that or relationships that become long distance or long distance relationships that become in-person relationships that then it like doesn't work the same because you just, that's not what it was. And then it kind of strains because now it's a little bit different. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I've been in long-term relationships. Arla and I, I've worked in a different town and came back on the weekends and every day was gone for the whole week for maybe a year and a half of our relationship uh, over various points. And it's different. It's a much, much different relationship than being in yeah. person. And, it, and you have to work on it more like relationships are work. And I think that's something that not everybody realizes either. Right. Like it isn't just like, Oh, it goes great. It's work. And when you're a distance, it's even more work. Um, and I just don't think they ever learned how to do that or how to be that. Um, and then that just falls apart kind of. Yeah. And they were spending every waking moment together, like driving around right. the country in an RV, just going from show to show and, and just living as, you know, traveling musicians. I think that part of that too is, um, it's working on the gutters, right? It's doing something um, yeah. where they both came from different vices or different outlets of their anguish. Um, and they found each other, and there was some spark of attraction, but they latched onto it and they turned to it as their resource. And so, um, it's one of those things where like, I've, I've been through that. I had a relationship in college. that was very similar where my girlfriend long-term broke up with me or said we were on a break for six months, like not even six months. It was like three <laughs> break break for three months. Sorry. I'm not fully that kind of idiot. Um, <laughs> where I was just like, okay, that makes sense. We're going to take a we'll couple years back. off. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back after <laughs> who knows how long. Um, but it was like over a summer or something. And then, uh, she was like, I just need to think. And that was because she wasn't confrontational and she couldn't really tell me that she really wanted to just break up with me. Yeah. And then when we got back together, which happened, it was like a month of just, you're not the person that I remember you being, and you're not the person that did these things. And like, it just didn't work out. And, uh, I slowly had that realization where I was like, oh, oh, they wanted something different. And I think that for Lou, that was the case where Lou kind of saw this was going to be something that changed their complete dynamic. It's like, I feel like Lou was in love with the music and the expression that she needed to to have on stage. Like the way she screams into that mic in the first song, I can just tell she has like a lot of things she's working out in her vocals and in her lyrics and Olivia cook does such a good job selling that as like, this is what I need as a singer. This is what I do. Um, and the moment that, uh, you know, uh, Ruben is not able to keep up with the drums and do the exact same expression that's supposed to fuel her. She's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And there's a part of me that's cynical that says when they're sitting in that diner, she's like, this is just never going to work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and there's no way to fault somebody for that because it's a, it's a bi-directional street. Like some people are like, I can't take care of my significant other. If they actually do get sick, like really sick, I just don't know what to do with them. Like, because I've never thought that would happen. Um, and I feel like lose that same kind of situation where she drops him off at that thing. She's like, you need to do this for your own good. Part of her is very genuine. And the other part of her is like, I want to go and I still have things I have to work through. I still have things that I need Mm -hmm. to do. Um, and so when he finds her and she's like, Oh, Hey, you're here. I, it broke my heart. Cause I recognized it. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to be the same. None of this is going to be the same. And, um, they have that whole moment where, uh, uh, he like goodwill huntings her 
Uh, but he's just like, it's not your fault <laughs> until she's like, what are you, why are you saying that? He says, um, it's okay. Yeah. And, but in the same way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a heartbreaking scene because she doesn't, I don't know if she realizes that the relationship is over, but he does because she doesn't have that same desire and spark that she did before. And, and he can tell that she has moved on and needs to do other things. And like, I think that shows like a lot of maturity from him where like I wouldn't have expected that to come out of his mouth for most of the movie. And, you know, just the her her realizing that it's over as he's saying it's OK is just so it, it both of them are so good. But yeah. it's just yeah. it's just an incredible scene. And she's like, you know, what do you what do you mean? It's OK. And he's like, it's OK. You saved my life. So it's OK. Like, you can leave me now and do your own thing. You don't owe me anything. Like, you've given me everything that you can. It, it's, it's, um, sometimes you have those moments as a human where somebody says something to you and subconsciously you understand it. But on the surface, you're like, I don't understand you. I, I don't yeah. know what that is. And it hits hard. Um, and yeah, Olivia Cook just does such a phenomenal job showing, trying to process that and trying to understand it. And, um, yeah, uh, God, it's, it's brutal. Well, I think that four years, that they were together, they got, you know, got things together, got life in order, but they never really got okay with themselves, mm -hmm. right? At right, the core, yeah. which is important. Um, and then she's been getting more comfortable with that. She even talks about this, like, relationship she's now rebuilding with her father and mm -hmm. things that she had kind of forgotten about being younger that she now realizes she misses. And, like, so she's been working on loving Lou, <laughs> And at the same time, Ruben is starting to get something okay for himself separate from Lou as well. And that, yeah, this kind of hits that. Um, I talked a while back about watching the Stutz documentary, the one that Jonah yeah. Hill did. One of Stutz's like things that is one of his main tenets, and this is the one that's like still stuck in my mind and I still grip with and I can't I can't wrap my head around it for myself. But he says, like, if you want something, if you want to go after something, you have to be okay with not getting it, with, like, letting it go. Mm -hmm. And, like, whatever it is that you need, you think you need, what's important to you, even if it's a person, whatever, like, know that it might not work. It might not happen. And you have to be okay with that situation before you go after it. Uh, and I'm like, I think that Ruben didn't get that to begin yeah. with but it clicks later like kind of of like okay i need to let this go like and now i do think at the end yeah it's sort of like that relationship ends and it's hard but when he sits down and at the very end is just him he's moving on he walks out he, yeah he's alone in france he sits down looks around he takes off the implants everything gets silent and he just looks around and like looks at kids looks at the bell tower looks at the street just looks around um i was like i actually think that that's somewhat uplifting because it's kind of the first time he sits down and is like okay like i'm here and these things are happening and it i kind of feel like the movie he can get up after the movie ends and go do whatever right like now he's mm -hmm. sort of freed to be who he is and move forward and get things and be Reuben, like not have to be Reuben and Lou. Like he can just be Reuben. He can get things. He could go back 
yeah, maybe he, maybe Joe won't let him in the house anymore, but he'd get his own RV and he could work at the school. Or maybe he does work back on the relationship with Lou or he starts his own music or like everything is now open to him in yeah. a way that and he can now accept that and do those things and actually be there. Yeah, I I actually one thing that I thought about when this movie ended and uh, shocker for folks out there, maybe um, was Birdman. Uh, mm. Birdman is about mm, yeah. a man grasping for something so hard that it drives him to suicide, um, that it drives him to self-destruction and Ruben's end of the journey is acceptance and finding that stillness. Whereas Birdman is not, it, it's, it's realizing, um, they're both approach nihilism at a rapid rate and, uh, one of them caves and one of them doesn't and instead embraces it. Um, and when this movie ended, I had the same like flashes of Michael Keaton on stage being like, I don't exist. I just don't exist. And putting a gun to his head, um, and then jumping out of a window after like kind of thing when he, he fails to do that, uh, comically. Um, but yeah, like that, that is sort of what I thought about with this is those moments that really challenge you to change, to embrace and to let go of what you were expecting. Like expectation is a toxicity and a poison. And I have felt it sting many times when I was young and many times when I'm older, but I've gotten better and better about letting go when I get really fixated on something and just understanding that, you know what, it wasn't meant to be, I can't do this. Like it'll destroy me if I grip to it tighter. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, Ryan, like it is, that is the hardest thing that that Ruben really struggles with. And it was beautiful to see him embrace it at the end. Um, and it's, it's bittersweet, but it's also progress for him. I was happy. Yeah. Plus the fact that he doesn't like explode. Like he just kind of gets to that realization and is like, okay, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like, think he would like explode yeah. and kick the like bench? The old, and be like, Fuck, yeah, the old Ruben like, would have fucking lost it. Are like, oh shit. <laughs> 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 he breaks that kid's skateboard in half. <laughs> yeah. And the moment when he, takes the implants off and the silence hits it hits hard and it's like a really powerful moment to where like you it the silence is loud right like i don't even know if ruben does accept his position but he seems willing to try to you know and to like at least think about it he looks really depressed in that last shot of the movie i don't i don't know that he's at peace really he doesn't seem to be like okay with where Things are things are not have not gone the way he wanted them to, but he seems like he's in a much better place and he is like willing to try to find peace in the silence. And, you know, I, I think that's a, a pretty powerful way to end the film. And, you know, there is the the possibility for Ruben from there, but that's also kind of a terrifying thing, too. Right. Where like he doesn't know what he's going to do with himself and he's got to figure his shit out. And he has to do it, you know, on his own, at least, at least in the very near term without Lou, um, you know, maybe he can go back and rekindle some of those old relationships in that community. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, you know, pretty powerful way to end the film. I think, I think with the context of him telling Lou that it's okay, I saw it as like, it's acceptance. It's not like gleeful acceptance or, you know, any sure. kind of embrace truly, but it is much more of like a well, this is where I am now. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. he was no longer like in strife trying to fight it. Uh, he, yeah, this entire movie was him being beaten down bit by bit into that moment of submission where he had to accept, he either accepted yep. the stillness or like I said, with Birdman, like you just cave and crumble. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 Acceptance doesn't mean no pain. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Or peace yeah. necessarily. Yeah. I, and I do think at the end, like I see it as, as him being present, not necessarily, yeah, that he's like at peace or mm-hmm. things are good now and he's got a great, it's just more like he's at least now there. He's the legitimately moment, considering aware of things. That yeah. other path. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, you talked about the, the, being at the home and the interactions he has with all the other people, he never even, I think, seems to recognize like everyone else is going through what he's going through, <laughs> right? right? Or they wouldn't yeah. be there, right? Mm-hmm. These kids are growing up deaf and having to figure it out in this world. The other people that are there are former addicts that, for you know, some reason or other, maybe also recently became deaf. You know, like he doesn't appear to spend time to learn that or at least we as an audience don't get that but he should be making those connections and seeing like okay well i can help some of the people with the things that i have you know that i know or that i've learned um that instead of just he's so laser focused on like i get back to lou heading back to what i you know before mm-hmm. he doesn't see that in front of him well i gotta see the end of the movie do we have any, <laughs> any, uh, yeah. any any other thoughts any other one other thing is like this movie is shot really well it's not um you know like a super showy cinematography but it's just uh, every every shot really helps to further what the narrative is is doing and it's also shot on film which is pretty cool like you don't see that very often with with new movies anymore mm-hmm. yeah I don't, I don't have anything else for the movie in particular of course it made me think a lot more about accessibility options and what is out there for people and i just want to say it's fucking bullshit that our podcast can't have a transcript without us having to uh, pay up a shit ton of money to yeah. get some ai to read it and actually transcribe that out like i don't have the time to transcribe it and i really wish i could I was just um, going to say, John's going to type this podcast out. I would absolutely love to. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, why is that gated for a subsection of the community who uh, they just can't engage with us? Like, I don't know. It, it fucking sucks. Um, so, Which it's crazy to think about. I mean, and maybe you guys don't remember this. <laughs> this is one of me being old. Uh, when like voice transcription for computers like first came out, mm-hmm. how fucking horrible it was. Yeah. And like bare, it barely worked and it, you know, barely, and it took a decent amount of computing power to like to work for it, even though they were like chowding at something. And now I'm like, now a little fucking tiny box in my room understands me uh, too well, even when I'm not talking to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alexa yeah, my, knows the, your deepest thoughts, Ryan. Yes. Yeah. This <laughs> morning, my kids were desires. asking. <laughs> yeah. My, my kids were asking this morning, like what the weather was. And our Google Home was hub was like, Oh, just so you know, going forward, you don't have to say, hey, Google in front of that anymore. You can just say, what's the weather? And I was like, no, I don't need to know that you yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're always yeah. say that without me yeah. saying your name first. <laughs> exactly. It, it's it's That's bullshit, horrifying. too, because I can go into my app and see that all of my voice commands are transcribed. But when I want to go and do this for this podcast, which I've looked up several times, it's always like, yeah, yeah it's that's going to be yeah. like you know, $3 for every minute if you want this yep. to be transcribed yeah. this way. And I'm like, but the software is out there where I could just have my computer do the work. Why the fuck am I uploading it to the cloud? It just It's such a barrier for a, a, a community, and I'm just so fucking mad about it all the time. Yeah. It's bullshit. Um, but yeah, uh, if anybody out there knows of a transcribing software that doesn't require this kind of payment, send it our way. I, I believe it's John at afterthoughts.media. I am happy to look into anything that would help us get this out to, to more people. 
um, and, and be more inclusive and champion that kind of accessibility. It's, it's important. But uh, thank you, Sound of Metal. Not the Sound of Metal, but Sound Not of Metal sound, for making me think about this again and giving me a platform to talk about it. Yeah. If there's one thing thinking... the deaf community needs, it's our opinions on movies. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, honestly, they need our opinions so that they can give us their opinions and we can yeah. learn and grow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We are, we are three ignorant men uh, in some ways. <laughs> we, we need to be educated, please. Um, so yeah, that's, that's All my right. takeaway, Ryan. Nice. All right. Well, that brings us to close. I, uh, absolutely recommend it. Um, I knew I wasn't going to like this movie, like going into it. It's just one that's been on my list that I just hadn't gotten around to. Um, and yeah, while it didn't have the metal that I wanted, uh, of mice and men, just doesn't have as many mice in it as you could want. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did really enjoy like what the movie was and like Ruben's story, the, you know, connection that I had with him that I think kind of anybody would have, you know, it's something that they can see through this character and through what he goes through. Um, so yeah, totally recommend it with headphones or if you, if you, if you have a shitty TV audio, uh, John. Um, yeah, I obviously, I would recommend this movie. I loved it. Um, I think every word in this episode is just me pouring over different aspects of what I loved about it. Uh, I, there is actually one last topic that I'm very curious about this compared to Coda because Coda mm. came out and Coda seems like Oscar bait, uh, inclusivity stuff for me. Don't get me wrong. I like to have multiple movies about the deaf community, having deaf people in them. Um, but just every trailer I saw of Coda and Dixon, you saw it. I never did, mm. uh, seemed like that kind of like we're doing this story you're used to, but we're doing it with some deaf people involved. And it felt way more exploitative than sound of metal, which is about somebody going through personal struggles and getting into the deaf community and trying to understand that breach there. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to get kind of your take on how you feel this stacks up or if Coda feels a little bit hollow or you said it was good. And yeah, well, this is better than Coda. Um, I think Coda is, like it's probably made for people who are not deaf to like the movie. Like the lead character is not deaf, but she is the child of deaf parents. And so, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's kind of bringing you into the community and showing you what these, uh, what deaf people go through, but it's really not like, it's about this girl and her, her desire to, to, you know, be a singer and her parents don't support that because they can't hear her sing. Um, and it's like, you know, it is Oscar Beatty paint by numbers kind of shit, but it's really well executed Oscar Beatty paint by numbers shit. Where it was like at the end of the movie, I was like, okay, I know, like I could predict exactly everything that was going to happen in the next scene. But by the end of it, I was smiling and I was like, God damn it, movie, you got me. Like, <laughs> you know, I normally like don't try to support like movies like that that are just kind of trying to to just tug on your heartstrings yeah just kind of manipulative and and not really tell you a real story it's more just like this is a formula that works let's do that but it does that formula really well um sound of metal i think is a, is a much better movie and and from the perspective of the person who's actually going deaf i think makes you have a lot more empathy for people struggling with that than a movie like coda does yeah, I want to see yeah everybody out there, any directors who are listening to this, I want to see a movie about deaf people that's not the Coda storyline. I want to see something unconventional or 
completely foreign to the palette that has to do with the deaf community, it would be fantastic. Like I want more of those movies. I am absolutely looking for things that you don't have to have like maximum Foley or any of that for it. Just like, let me experience this community. Like Ryan and I kind of lamented earlier. It's not really many ways for us to engage with that in, in like day-to-day activity and in some of the arts and media that we've seen. So yeah. Um, but yeah, Dixon, that was a, an endorsement for sound of metal. Sorry to take away from the recommend. I recommend (laughs) sound of metal. It's a very good movie. Um, you should watch it. It's on Amazon prime. Yeah. I haven't watched Coda, but I, I kind of feel like there's space for even more than those two, right? That this is a significant portion of, you know, there's so many people out there dealing with different levels of hearing impairment or deafness, um, that there should be those opportunities. We didn't talk in depth about, uh, Lauren Ridloff, who plays the teacher at the deaf school, Mm -hmm. um, who is amazing. And I feel bad that she was in Eternals, and that probably could have been a big oh, break yeah. for her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there weren't 15 other people in that movie and whatever other nonsense that that was. Um, but I, I hope that she, because in this, she's a smart part as well. Um, I'm, she was in Walking Dead. She had stuff in there. But I'm like, she needs another big, a big yeah. thing to come out because I think she's really awesome and a, a, a good representation of, um, you know, being an actor like isn't it isn't mm-hmm. an impairment for being an actor either yeah. yeah she's great yeah i want more things like uh like deaf exploitation ryan i want more like uh I'm action sure heroes there that are, are. Deaf. i am so down uh, <laughs> if there's a mr anyways. no legs there's probably a mr <laughs> no ears out no. there i mean we have a uh, daredevil right we got like an uplined action oh, God. hero we should have a deaf <laughs> yeah. action hero yeah. yeah why can't we get somebody who's, <laughs> yeah. what if we have an action hero who's lost his sense of taste all right, there we go. Oh. <laughs> we had we had a musician who lost a sense of smell with walk hard. <laughs> uh. This is all fucking cut. <laughs> this is all being cut. <laughs> go ahead and close us out, Ryan. <laughs> yes, all right. That was three three absolute recommends for sound. Stop of- laughing. <laughs> you gotta take it serious. Help it. <laughs> no God damn it. My laugh. <laughs> I think that was all valid criticisms. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's all staying in, goddammit. God, yeah, you make me commit to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, three three recommends, three absolute recommends, it sounded like, for Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that brings us to a close. I have been your host, Ryan King, and with me... John Garcia. Uh, I don't have anything. Okay. Wow. I did. Okay, look, House Monkey, there you go. I did the science. <laughs> I learned it. Okay, House Monkey. <laughs> That has no context. Right, and, has, and also, I've been learning ASL. <laughs> that's all he's gotten. Michael also, Dixon, uh, sorry about this, guys. This is the sign for Dixon. <laughs> this is the sign. <laughs> Use your imagination, listeners. Guess what it is. <laughs> uh, oh, fuck. I actually do know that. It's This is bullshit. <laughs> this oh, is yeah, the yeah. bullshit sign. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.